Hey everybody, this is Andrew Benjamin, your host with the We Are Rising podcast. Today, I'm joined for the first time ever by a non-fighter. Uh, today, we are talking to Lee Daly, who is the author of an upcoming book called Before a Fall, A History of Pride FC, a one of the, maybe the only English written book about pride. And uh, with him, we have a... Uh, we have Mr. Daly with us, joining us all the way from Ireland, is that correct? Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, I'm, I'm from Ireland, I'm from Dublin, but I'm in Birmingham in the UK right now. But um, yeah, yeah, Irish born and bred. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, before any non I have to ask the non-MMA question of, did you watch the World Cup this year? Uh, I did, yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty interesting tournament. Uh, we weren't in it because we, um, we weren't that great, we didn't qualify, but... Uh, yeah, pretty good. Uh, I was, on the one hand, uh, annoyed that England got as far as they did into semifinals, but happy that they didn't actually win. So, <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good... Uh, I think France were a pretty strong team. Well, and, uh, yeah, got some entertaining football along the way, at least. As an American, I, I'm always amazed by how 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 awful our actual soccer team is. And when people, when other countries say, oh, our team is bad, I'm like, no, we look at America's. I don't even know. I don't even know if America's even made it to a semifinal. I don't even know if we even advanced in the World Cup. I don't know. Uh, I think we made the knockout stages maybe maybe sometime, uh, maybe 2010, I can't remember, but that was only to the first round and then, then got knocked out. But my memory might not be correct on that one. But certainly in terms of the overall world rankings, the United States is, is actually pretty strong. Um, but yeah, this time I know there was a big inquisition because um, usually you march through the qualifying without any problem and you lost to Panama. Huh. Uh, so yeah, that was that was a big thing. So yeah, Panama didn't need to do too much of this World Cup either. So right now, yeah, the U.S. is not that strong compared to how it usually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we are not here to talk about the World Cup. We are here to talk about your your upcoming book, Before a Fall. And I'm just uh, would you like to know uh, how did you how did this um, project uh, come about to write this book? Well, I suppose you have to go back to kind of when I was a teenager. Uh, I was pretty interested in sort of um, Japanese pro wrestling, um, particularly kind of um, New Japan, NOAA, and All Japan. And one of the things that I saw when I was looking through wrestling magazines was um, was Pride FC. You know, this idea of kind of, I'm going to put this in quotes here, real pro wrestling. Um, I, I'd sort of, I'd had some notion of the UFC, I'd heard of that as well, but never really gotten anything like that it was very hard to get particularly in Ireland at the time very hard to get your hands on anything MMA related um, but through this sort of trade trading network I managed to come across um, sort of these pride tapes and as I say in the book I was really just completely captivated because the first tape I got was actually the 2000 um, Grand Prix that had the infamous fight between Hoist and, and Sakuraba you know the one that went for an hour and a half um, and you know that I guess was the genesis of, of my interest um, and in terms of actually writing a book, you know, for so many years, I saw some great books on, on mixed martial arts. Uh, Josh Gross's book on the Ali Inoki fight is really superb. I think uh, I think that's a real a real high watershed um, for sports books in the genre. Um, and reading that, I think, was was really great, really exciting. Uh, there's a few other great books. I think Jonathan Snowden's written a few good books. Um, uh, and a few good sort of other good, good authors uh, and journalists that have covered the topic really well. One of the things I think with Pride was there was a lot of long form and very detailed and good articles on Pride FC, um, but there wasn't a book as such. So 
I kept looking at it, kept looking at it. And I, I've done some writing in other fields. Um, my, my background is actually in the tech industry, but I do, um, I do do some writing. I've written for the Irish Times and a football magazine called When Saturday Comes. But I sort of kept looking at it, and I, I felt that, you know, it was one of these things where there just kept not being one. Um, and I just felt that at a certain point, okay, well, you know, this is something I, I, I'm interested in. I felt I could do a reasonably good job at, and um, I just set to work, and that was about uh, early 2017, I think I would have started, and I've just sort of been working away on it a little bit. Um, uh, sort of I'm between jobs at the moment, so I did dedicate some time full-time to the book, um, and I'm now moving on to a PhD, actually. But, yeah, that's that's kind of the genesis of the book. That's why it's out there, and that's also why I'm asking for a crowdfund. Um, I know people are, maybe there's a bit of a leap of faith involved because I think you see crowdfunds all the time for different things. Uh, and I'm not a name that's known right now in mixed martial arts, but <clears throat> I'm pretty confident with my record. I've got some pretty decent sports writing out there um, that, you know, it's a, it's a good book. Um, certainly those that have seen it have said it the same. And, and I think uh, if people are willing to support the crowdfund and, and people are willing to invest time and, and, and energy and money and looking at the book, I'd, I'd appreciate it. And I, I don't think they'll come away disappointed. So, was it hard to research a book uh, basically about a Japanese promotion? Uh, because one, one, on the on the Indiegogo campaign, I noticed that well, you have mostly uh, English-speaking uh, people you spoke to, but you also spoke to Minoru Suzuki. Um, so was it, are there any, was it hard to find a lot of Japanese sources for your book? Yeah, I mean, um, there's one or two sort of sources that have been translated, um, but by and large, I think most of the original work on Pride is, um, is you know, a lot of it's in Japanese. Um, I think, to be honest, I think the focus of the fighters and the accessibility of the fighters is a bit lopsided, where I think the stories are told fairly well of, of Hoist um, and Sakuraba to an extent, because then Kelsey is the most prominent. Um, but there is other parts of the story, particularly the Japanese fighters, that, that hasn't been told. Um now, I have to admit, you know, I don't speak Japanese. Um, I haven't been able to get access to some of those sources. So it was difficult to examine some of those elements. But one thing I made real pains to kind of try and explore was some of the existing resources within pro wrestling history. Um, and looking at that, I think uh, Chris Charlton, um, if you've ever heard of him or read his books, he's got a very good book on New Japan. And he's got a very good book out now on the Tokyo Dome. Um, also, uh, Dave Meltzer, obviously, who's, who's worked on... on, on um, MMA and pro wrestling for a long time. Um, so what I've kind of tried to do was I tried to look at the existing historical resources within pro wrestling, within Mark's martial arts, um, and sort of try to combine those and try to make it a, a, a story. And it very much is a history. And, and, you know, histories are can be subjective too. You know, there is obviously facts you can put in, but there's a certain... Uh, there's a certain story I think I'd like to tell throughout the book, and, and I think I've been able to do that. Um, and, yeah, I think that... The, the difficulty with with not speaking Japanese, with that some of those sources maybe you know were were were, uh, were not accessible to me. However, I was lucky. Yeah, with Minoru Suzuki, uh, there's a, a teammate of mine. I trained in Jiu Jitsu at, at Gracie Barra in Dublin, and um, there's a Japanese teammate of there, Kelly Kelly Linker, who was very helpful to me. Um, but obviously, you know, we, we tried. I have tried to reach out to some Japanese fighters, and I do have a translator available, but. You know, they, they weren't always forthcoming with, uh, with with giving me a better time, and you know that's fair enough. I, I think I've just got to move on and get yeah, I mean, the Pride as awesome as I can. You know, what was what, something that you discovered about Pride that surprised you in your research for this book? I think the real thing that that surprised me was the extent to which it was just like a right place, right time. 
Um, and also, I think some of the detail of what happened in terms of the establishment of the promotion and what may or may not have happened in terms of um, in terms of why it collapsed and that, that stuff. There was a towards the end of Pride, and, and it's detailed in the book, and a lot of it's on the public record. There, there was a lot of accusations flying back and forth over you know uh, how it was created, who funded it. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, and so on and so forth. And I don't think that the full truth of that is ever going to be established. But there is definitely some interesting stuff on the public record. Uh, if you read the um, Spectrum Gaming, they were a company used by the UFC to do the due diligence on the deal between um, uh, Zufa and uh, uh, Dreamstage, who were the ultimate owners of Pride FC. Um, that's got some really interesting detail, um, and you know that's a that's a document that's that's out there in the public domain. And I think that's for me was a bit of a surprise. And you know, I rank myself as a pretty decent fan of Pride FC, but that was not something I'd necessarily been aware of. You know, I think everybody, you know, everybody kind of hand waves and goes, "Oh yeah, you know, it, it, there's yakuza and there's corruption and there's yada yada yada, etc. etc." But actually, I think. The detail of it is what really sort of interested me and surprised me, and I think that's going to be one of the things that maybe people will come away from the book with, with um, a little more, um, you know, what, what really interests people and that, that may surprise them. And that was very much my focus was trying to give equal weight to analyzing, you know, the fighters, the the fights, and the rivalries, but also analyzing some of that backstage, um, the that backstage element of it, you know, and, and sort of presenting things in this balanced and even handed manner I can and. Hopefully, people will make up their minds as to what they what they sort of think happened, and, and will be coming come away from sort of a bit more informed by, by the whole thing. Was what do you think that Pride obviously left a left a, a it left a, a an impact on the MMA world? Uh, do you think that the that the impact that it left was something that was you said it was right time, right place? Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that? Was it the right time? Did it come at the? Did it come at a time when 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 tastes were changing Japan from pro wrestling to MMA? Did it or was it just? Can you talk a little bit more what you mean by by that? By right time, right place. Yeah, for so many reasons. I think for me that there is, I want to say like about three major points. I think with Pride as to why it sustained, and I think firstly, obviously, was the rivalry between. Um, uh, well, you know, the, the confrontations between um, Nobuhiko, uh, Nobuhiko Takata and Hickson Gracie, that was very much a case of right place, right time, because Hickson had, you know, it was a matter of Hickson being willing to, to go and fight Takata, Takata being willing to fight Hickson, because, you know, Takata throughout the UWF, which was his pro wrestling promotion, he would call out and challenge a lot of people, but because he wasn't necessarily a trained fighter or a seriously skilled fighter he was using as a promotional gimmick but then at a certain point you know i think it's fair to say he got desperate enough that he actually had to go and and do it for real so again that's a whole matter of timing and if that hadn't come together if they hadn't found sort of the money in the platform to do that um that wouldn't have taken off as well as the fact that the ufc at the time you know, it had launched and grown in popularity and it was quite big in, in the uh, home video market in Japan, but in the United States, because it was kind of, um, it was sort of getting uh, getting handed out of existence because of uh, some of the, the legislative moves against it and, and some of the moral panic that was going on about the no rules and human cockfighting, as John McCain called the element of it. That was another matter of timing of right place. So I think that's, that's the, first, the first major sort of element in which it was timing. 
Uh, the second major element, I think, was probably the rise of Sakuraba. And, you know, uh, the fact that this was a guy who had legitimate fighting skill, uh, was able to take on um, the Gracies and, and beat them and other fighters too. I mean, he, he beat Vitor Belfort. He beat Kevin Kevin Randleman, um, Rampage Jackson, you know, some, some, and guys who really, if you looked at it today, he, he would be fighting many weight divisions below some of these guys, you know, particularly somebody like Krokop who obviously defeated him, but mm. he still took on. So I think that's a matter as well of timing, you know, and of, of I, I really detail in the book, um, and that's a theme of it is how, like um, someone like Billy Robinson, who was a catch wrestler and was trainer of, of uh, Sakuraba, had um, taken a journey through his life, which actually meant that he he, he ended up in the right time, right place to train uh, Sakuraba. And again, just all these little elements coming together, you know, and that, that's kind of my key, like one of the key themes. And then the final kind of moment I would say was the real key inflection point for the promotion was probably the emergence of, I guess, the foreign stars, um, the, the non-Japanese that really carried it to great heights. And I think that in the West, maybe it's the ones we, we sort of think about and talk about the most. I think you're looking at, obviously, the, the sort of heavyweight um, trio of um, Nogueira, Crocop, uh, and Fedor. I think the rivalry between them was really significant and, and uh, that kept the motion going for a good while and, and really provided some, some great moments. Um, as well as obviously Vanderlei, Vanderlei Silva and you know I think a few others as well um, you know, like Shogun as well went on to, to some success in the UFC too so I think that that's overall you know kind of what I would say in terms of timing and timing is a major a major uh, theme of the book you know it's, it's, it is about timing it is about documenting those journeys and um, yeah again I think it's, it's something that, that I find quite interesting you know so at, the, at its peak uh, it's fair to say that Pride was much more popular than UFC, in Japan at least, right? Would, would you say? Yeah, so? I mean, sorry, go, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, go, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it, I think it depends on, on what metric you want to use, right? Like, and, and by most standards, I think at its peak, Pride was as main, you know, Pride was quite mainstream and popular within Japan. Uh, you know, I think at the same level today as we would maybe consider... Um, you know, uh, some of the more prominent fights within the UFC. Um, but that was a bit of a flash in the pan, and, and they declined. And the UFC has managed to, um, once it managed to mainstream itself, it managed to stay in the mainstream. I think with Pride, it was much more of a, of a boom and bust, where they started out maybe as a, um, as, a, as a somewhat marginal thing, maybe related to pro wrestling. But over time, they managed to, to emerge into the mainstream within Japan, um, and, and, you know, guys like Sakurab did become kind of household names for, for quite a while. Um, but then, you know, the decline when it hit was, was very pronounced. And, um, you know, uh, I think even if the motion had survived various things, that decline might have happened anyway. Um, and, yeah, I think that that's what you see is... Uh, now, I think what the, the, the key thing to remember is for a lot of its existence, and even towards 2005-2006, it's fair to say that Pride was... Uh, you know, seen as having more prestige, better paydays, and, and those kind of things for fighters. So I think both in terms of popularity and in terms of the payoffs and, and in terms of, you know, it's a very subjective thing to say, but in terms of the greatness in quotes, um, yeah, Pride for, for much, of its, uh, much of its lifespan um, was bigger than the UFC. Um, but obviously when the fall came, it was, it was pretty, pretty pronounced and, and pretty sudden. Do you have any uh, memories of Pride yourself? Any favorite fights or any favorite Grand Prix or anything of that sort? 
Yeah, I think the the Open Week Grand Prix obviously is the first one I saw in two thousand, uh, and the, the hour and a half confrontation um, was, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy because it's like completely different to, to consuming or watching a fight that's that's much shorter, you know. Um, it's uh, so yeah. In terms of favorite fights, um, yeah, I think that that first Open Week Grand that that Grand Prix in two thousand, um, yeah, that was really really significant for me. I think it was it was. Uh, Sakurab and Hoist obviously was was one of the most memorable fights that I've. Uh, uh, Mark Kerr as well. I can remember that. I remember Vochanchin and um, watching that on video later. I think that was just so brutal. And I think um, it was one of these things where once once that happened, you know, Kerr was already this guy who was who was probably one of the greatest um, in the world at that time, um, and and that changed him pretty significantly. And then yeah, I think uh, I think aside from that, you know, the likes of the, the Fedor Krokop fight. Um, you know that, that was one, one of those ones that was up there and looking back on it kind of some of them some of them I had to look sort of because I did when I was when I eventually got UFC fight pass actually went back and watched a whole lot of cards mm-hmm. and yeah the stuff that stuck out for me was you know the likes of Fry, Fry against Takiyama I think and nobody's ever seen that believe, ever be able to forget that yeah that, that's it I mean in terms of my all-time favorites I think Sakuraba was was my favorite the reason being was I think I, I identified with him a lot um this was a guy that was maybe quite soft-spoken um you know you look at him he's not he's not the most athletic looking he is not he's not jacked up um but yet here he was doing all these crazy and also doing a bit of this you know which you know, I think it's 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 rare you get somebody who doesn't take themselves seriously. You know, that's part of his appeal. So, yeah, I guess those are some lights and, and, and favorite memories. And look, they're all in the book, along with with a few more as well. Uh, it's when Pride, uh, when when Pride shut down, what what void do you think it, it what it had in terms of the MMA world? Do you think that it was a it just yeah? Talk about I'll talk about the actual for Pride and just. Uh, the void that it left in the uh, MMA world? I'll divide it into the things that I think we should see and should continue to see almost, you know, in an ongoing basis, and some things that maybe we don't want to really see and that we maybe shouldn't have to see again. In terms of the latter, in terms of stuff we don't want to see again, you know, it, it did the triumph of the Universal Real Set, um, which Pride actually had to implement in some of its Vegas shows, which meant that you didn't see things like soccer kicks or stomps or these kind of things, which although they created, um, you know, really spectacular moments, I think it's fair to say that, you know, as MMA fans, I think we should be more comfortable, either we are or we should be, more comfortable with rules that, that prioritize fighter fighter safety. Um, in terms of stuff that I think maybe we should see, one of the big legacies, and I think this is where the story continued on, I think, until very recently, was the fact that it didn't, it meant that serious competition for the UFC um, you know, was kind of snuffed out, right? If you look at strike, you know, all these different promotions that they've, they've they were able to buy out, you know, Strike Force, WC, WEC, um, I think King of the Cage, um, that was a very and, and they were very deliberate around their model, you know, and they they did model themselves on the WWF, which had brought up all these smaller promotions, and basically they became a, 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 a monopoly entity in a sport, you know. Um, we do have other promotions, I think Bellator and a few others that, that do a great job now. But in terms of, and I think Bellator have gotten better now at actually giving fighters an, an alternative place to go. But in terms of leveraging for fighters and, and, and having a different place to go, um, I think that's something that's sorely lacking now. 
And I think, truthfully, it, it probably contributed to the fact that UFC was able to sell itself um, and, and the Fujita brothers and Dana White were able to exit the business um, while Dana White's still there, of course, but were able to sell the business with, with such a high valuation because they didn't have that competitor. They didn't have another person, you know, you didn't have somebody able to say, well, look, there's this other promotion in, in Japan. What if they ever come to America? What if they ever do this? Um, and I think that's one of the legacies that I think is missed. You know, I think not having that sense of competition that can create a better product, um, as well as the fact that Pride was unique, and that a, I think it's fair to say a prioritized um, entertainment over a sports-based approach at times, I think that legacy I think is missing. And I think, uh, although there are some undesirable elements of it, I think in terms of the rules, in terms of that kind of stuff, I think that that's still missing, and I think that would be good to see back. What about the uh, what? What about currently? Do you uh, keep up with the Japanese MMA scene at all? What what do you th- what do you think about companies like Ryzen or Pancreas or uh, uh, Deep or any other promotions? Uh, do you uh, think that they're uh, do you think that they help that they're bring that they're helping to fill that void that Pride left uh, when it shut down, or do you think it's still not quite there yet? Yeah, I think it's still not quite there yet. I, I think Ryzen and, and there's a few people in the book have said this. Frank Frank Trigg and and, and uh, Chris Charlton and, and Frank Shamrock said it says it in the you know say it in the book as well that the Ryzen does represent a step up. You know, I think the return of Saki Ibarra to um, uh, promotional work I think is significant. I think he gets it. You know, there's no question about that. Um, <clears throat> and th- that is you know definitely represents you know a bit of progress. Um, you know, Frank Trigg said something interesting, um, which is um, Kyochi Haraguchi, who, who's, you know, probably one of the bigger stars in, in Ryzen, you know, doesn't train in Japan anymore. Um, there is a real dearth, I guess, of, of um, although there's some seriously talented, you know, Japanese fighters, um, you know, the likes of Gomi, the likes of Haraguchi, who, who still kind of are active. Um, you know, I think there is the lack of a Sakuraba figure. And also I think there's maybe a template where... Um, they need to find something that will get them back mainstream attention. You know, I think the sort of freak show element has been done. And maybe there's something within Japan. And I don't know. I don't live in Japan. I don't profess to be an expert on, on, on um, Japanese culture per se. There is something that maybe needs to be done to, to bring it back into the mainstream. I think aside from that, yeah, I think uh, like the looks of, of Pancrase and, and, and these kind of things, uh, it's firmly established there. I think it'll always be there. Um, but Truth be told, I think we're, you know, if we think that we're ever going to see, you know, the National Stadium in Tokyo uh, filled out with 90,000 people for a show, I think we're, we're, we're not being realistic, you know. Um, but still, there is some signs of progress there. And I think for, for people who are into fighting, I think it's a good scene to follow, you know. Uh, so just uh, let's talk about the Indiegogo campaign. Uh, uh, what made you uh, go for, for the Indiegogo campaign? And uh, what are you asking of uh, people when they contribute? So the primary reason why is because I wanted to self-publish the book. Um, again, I felt that because there had been no book on Pride for a long time, um, as well as the fact that I kind of felt like I wanted to take it on myself, um, I didn't want sort of any real barriers to it. You know, for instance, if I was to write a book or to try write a book, um, shop it around to various publishers and, and get rejections, or I think the real concern, which is get asked to remove certain things or put certain things in a route or whatever, uh, that didn't really interest me, you know. So that's the primary reason, you know. And again, coming back to kind of, you know, I might be asking for a little bit of faith on behalf of the MMA community when, when putting out a crowdfund like this, but the reason why is because it's, it's a you know, I'm a fan, I want it to be a fan-led project. 
the illustrations by John Sheehan, I think are really awesome. There's a lot of unique stuff that to make the project what it is and to make it exactly how we want it. That's why we're, that's why we're doing it. You know, in terms of what I'm asking from people, um, look, obviously money <laughs> to be frank, mm-hmm. uh, would be, um, and you know, uh, the, the amounts involved are not astronomical. Um, I would have been happy to cover them myself if I was, if I was in a position to, but unfortunately I'm not. Um, and, uh, what we're asking for is obviously that investment, but then, you know, just talking about it, sharing it with people. Um, there was a really great, awesome response initially, which got us up to a, a certain figure. Um, we're at about 20% right now, and we still have the guts of three weeks to go. So I'm, I'm not too stressed, but it does need to keep progressing, I think, and, and we do want to meet the, meet the target. Um, I've said as an all or nothing campaign, um, you know, I do want to make sure that it kind of, it kind of, uh, it happens, you know, so that's the key. And then the last thing to, to emphasize is we're not just asking this for the good of our own health. We do have really awesome rewards. Um, we have uh, a unique, the, the, every version of the book that people will get through the Indiegogo will have its own cover. It won't be available for general release. Um, and we've also got some other cool rewards, um, whether it's the ebook, whether it's the paperback book, um, and also there's some stuff where if you support at the higher levels, if you give either 150 euro or 300 euro, you actually get some of John's artwork um, as well to kind of hang up on your wall. So, yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. Um, it's been a great response to it, and hopefully people are able to support it and then spread the word. You know, we, we really appreciate that. All right, I just want to just clarify as well. The book will be released uh, in September. Is that correct? Uh, even if uh, the Indiegogo doesn't, isn't, doesn't go all the way through? Is that correct? Yeah, so, so we're aiming for late September. I think um, if the Indiegogo fails, we're going to have to maybe push it back, I think, because to be frank, uh, we'll have to pay for some of it out of our own pocket. Um, okay. You know, uh, which I'm, I'm still willing to do, but, you know, obviously, um, you know, it would be great to get that support and get the book out ASAP. Um, the reason why is just because, um, you know, I have to, we have to pay for, for uh, illustrations, you have to pay for some of the admin fees. And, um, you know, in terms of putting it up on Amazon, there is a, a little bit, a small bit of an investment cost to that. So that's kind of where we're asking people to do it. And yeah, look, I'm pretty determined. I want to, I want to get this book out, out there. I want to share it with people. Um, if people are willing to, to help us out in doing that and, and get some of the rewards, um, you know, that, that would be really awesome. Now, of course, we, uh, without, without pride, there would be no Ryzen. I got asked, you told me that you had gone to a Ryzen show, uh, 2016, I think it was, right? Yeah, 2016. So I think that's the second. That was the second round of the Grand Prix, if I'm if I'm wrong. Yes, that was when uh, Crow Cop, um, I believe, beat uh, Amir Al Akbari in the finals, if I remember correctly. I think I that may. I'm trying to remember if that was the same day that Gabby Garcia fought uh, Yumiko Hota. Uh, I I believe it was. I'm. Not hundred percent sure, but I, I'm I'm ninety percent sure that it was. But I just wanted to ask what what are your thoughts on Rise on on your experience with Ryzen, and uh, if you have any other thoughts on the promotion itself. Well, look, the production I think was the best uh, you will ever see. You know, and I think all these years later, it's amazing to see. Nearly twenty years later, actually, it is twenty years later. Really, it's amazing to see that I think Saki Gibara and you know the team that he has, they're just awesome at doing that. They're just awesome at. at, at Produce and stuff, and you know, um, seeing Crow Cop enter to Wild Boys, you know, <laughs> the light show and all that sort of stuff, you know, that really is the kind of thing that that, that you know gives you goosebumps, and, and it certainly did did for me. Um, and yeah, like the, the production, I think, and the the, the, the the hype videos, all those things, they really are excellent, you know. And um, I think UFC has improved their game, 
but there's something like, particularly around entrances, I think, where there's a lack of drama or, or show opens where they're, they they always have a flat pack approach, I think, whereas, you know, Ryzen will, will always do a little something special. And I think that's key where you want to tune in, even if you don't necessarily always care about, you know, or know about all the fighters, you do want to tune in because of the unique unique nature of the of the, the entrances and of the packages and the production. I think that's a key that they really have. So, yeah, being there live for that was, was pretty awesome. Mm. The only... I, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go for it again. Oh, no, I was going to say, the only time I could ever recall UFC going all out with an entrance was when Conor McGregor fought... Was it Eddie Alvarez, I believe? Uh, was it, it was either Alvarez or Diaz, too, when he came out to... Was it Sine O'Connor singing his song, or... Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that would have been the Chad Mendes fight. That was Chad Mendes, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so Sinead uh, sang uh, The Foggy Jew, which is a song about um, Irish rebels, you know, and, and kind of going to war. So, you know, that's kind of why Connor, I think that's why Connor likes it, and that's why he uses it. Um, and yeah, Chad came out to, I want to say, a country song of some sort. <laughs> you know? But yeah, like, I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of cool stuff, you know, I like that. Um and, you know, that doesn't cost a whole hell of a lot of money considering what they charge for, like, the ticket prices and stuff. I think for the Khabib fight, um, they're going to have to they're gonna have to do something, I think. They can't, you can't just have them, you know, walk down the ring to, to guys with their their, uh, their headphones around them and, you know, just having the, the security guards around them. You know, you've got you to gotta do something different, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, to all those who got tickets to that show, g- congratulations because... I don't know. I don't know where the people got the money for for that for that, those those tickets. I saw the ticket prices for that show. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I could never pay for a show like that. Like with the paycheck that I get. <laughs> that, um, but um, yeah. Um, for everybody that wants to go to support the campaign or share it, where can uh, people go to? Uh, let's see. Do you have the uh, link or uh, that you can uh, plug for Indiegogo? Yeah. So uh, it's real simple, real straightforward beforeafallbook.com and then on both Facebook and Twitter um, the handle is beforeafallbook so beforeafallbook.com that brings you right to the Indiegogo um, yeah any any contribution big or small we, we really value it and really, really appreciate it mm-hmm. uh, do you want to plug any other uh, social media or give a shout out to anybody or anything else that you want to uh, say for is all yours yeah, well, look, I'd like to thank you, Andrew. I think it's really cool that you're, uh, you you gave me this chance to, to have a chat about, about Pride. It's really awesome as well with, with Ryzen. I think it's really important to have as much coverage of that in English. I think it's it's uh, it's a little bit under the radar at times. And I think hopefully the more it grows, I think, again, the more it'll provide that alternative that people look for. And I think, um, yeah, if you, you keep you keep plugging away with, with covering it, and particularly in reading people and trying to bring resources in in English, that's super, super, super cool. So keep plugging away and, and that aside I'd like to thank, to thank my team um, who are kind of working with you on the book Eamon Dalton is doing a lot of social media and layout stuff uh, John Sheen obviously um, he is um, doing the illustrations and my friend Danica Coffey is also um, doing a lot of video editing as well uh, their, their, their links are up on the Indiegogo before fallbook.com so we just want to check out what they do as well you know, we really appreciate it they're, they're some cool guys and again just reliant a lot of people's goodwill with this with this book project, and I appreciate it so much. And, and as I say before, without pride, there'd be no rising. So I do believe it. This is a this is a book that I'm really looking forward to myself, and I cannot wait to read it. And especially what whenever someone talks to Minoru Suzuki, I cannot wait to hear what Minoru Suzuki has to say about MMA 
and, and, and regarding anything. I, I was so surprised when I saw that was one of the guys that, that you spoke to. That is such a coup that you got there. Yeah, no, he's real lucky, and, and he was, he was, you know, he, he's such a legit badass and such a legit, um, you know, just legend, but just also super humble guy and, and a super, super, super nice guy, you know. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, for folks that uh, want that uh, that want to uh, support the Indie Go Go campaign, it's before a fall, a history of Pride FC. Uh, and, uh, please support them in any way that you can, whether it's, uh, uh, sorry, I was about to say one dollar, but it says euros, one euro, or, um, five euros, five euros, I'm sorry, five euros or 300 euros, uh, please support this, I think this is gonna be a great project, and I honestly cannot wait for the book, and, uh, again, uh, Lee, I appreciate you taking the time out, and, uh, we'll do our best to help, uh, help, uh, get you to the, uh, goal. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. No problem. You have a great day now, Lee. You too.